South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanzan Washington working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. South Sudan's foreign minister says he is disappointed by the behavior of one of his diplomats who is accused of raping a woman in New York. We are governed by the Vienna Convention and all the declarations, uh, UN declarations, and uh, you are supposed as a diplomat to respect the host country laws. And the UN mission in South Sudan is calling on armed groups in Upper Nile to stop fighting. Fighting in and around Tonga Town that began on 14 August has displaced over 15,000 people while flooding is hindering their access to humanitarian aid and safer areas. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The South Sudan government says it is disappointed and regrets the alleged rape case involving one of its diplomats at the country's permanent mission to the United Nations in New York. South Sudan's Minister for Foreign Affairs, Maik Ayi Deng, says... A diplomat is expected to maintain high standards of morality and dignity. Dengai Deng has more for VOA from Bor. For the 60-year-old South Sudanese career diplomat, Charles Dickens Imene Oliher is accused of raping a woman in New York City but has not been charged. New York police confirmed they took Oliha in for questioning on Sunday. They released him after he claimed diplomatic immunity. The 24-year-old alleged victim told police she was walking her dog around noon when the South Sudanese diplomat followed her inside the shared apartment building in Manhattan and forced his way into her apartment. The woman says he raped her twice. After the assault, the woman said she was in a state of shock and only filed a report several hours later after a friend convinced her to go to the police, according to the police report. Maik Ayi Deng, South Sudan's Minister of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation, told South Sudan in focus he was shocked to learn that one of his diplomats was arrested on rape-related charges in New York. He says his ministry is paying close attention to the case. We are governed by the Vienna Convention and all the declarations, uh, UN declarations, and uh, you are supposed as a diplomat to respect the host country laws. Uh, you're supposed to be guided by it and uh, respect all the laws. For example, you're not even supposed to engage in business, doing business in the country that you're being deployed as a diplomat. So those things are very obvious and they're known to all the diplomats. And of course, humans are humans. And uh, when this situation happens, we will just have to to look into it and uh, and be fair and just about it because the issue of rape is a very serious issue that needs to be handled carefully and with all presumptions that uh, the person is innocent until proven guilty. Deng says diplomats, especially those sent on foreign missions, should maintain a high standard of morality so as not to jeopardize the image of their country. The diplomat in question is uh, is a mid-level diplomat. He's not a new person, and he's aware of all the principles and the guidelines that are supposed to be observed. Uh, the situation is just unfortunate, and 
like I said, is a new situation. We are looking into it, and uh, hopefully the next day or two will uh, give you more details of what the ministry and uh, the country is doing. Deng did not say whether the South Sudan government has recalled Oliya or whether the government would waive his diplomatic immunity if requested to do so by the U.S. Department of State. The State Department has not said if Oliya has left the country or if the U.S. government has asked to have his immunity revoked. The New York Post reported that the diplomat may have fled the U.S. The newspaper said, quote, No sounds came from inside Olia's apartment Tuesday when the Post reportedly knocked and there was no light visible from behind a red curtain fluttering in a window. End quote. The State Department told the Post it takes the allegation seriously. We are aware of the incident, reference involving a diplomat accredited to the United Nations. A named representative told the Post in an email. The representative went on to say, we take this allegation seriously and we are working closely with the New York Police Department and the Mayor's Office of International Affairs, as we do in all legal and criminal cases involving foreign diplomats assigned to permanent missions and observer offices at the UN. In court, when UN spokesman Stepan Dujaric was asked about the allegation in the Tuesday regular briefing. He responded, quote, We are aware of this. We have seen the press reports. I think any alleged rape or sexual assault needs to be fully investigated. This is a particular issue between the member state and the U.S. government, but we will keep an eye on it, end quote. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. The United Nations mission in South Sudan is calling on armed groups in Upper Nile State to immediately end ongoing fighting and adhere to the revitalized peace agreement. The spokesperson for UNMIS in South Sudan says the mission is concerned about the safety and security of thousands of civilians caught up in recent clashes between rival armed groups in the state. For VOA News, Viola Elias has more from Juba. The United Nations mission in South Sudan expressed concern over ongoing clashes in Tunga Town of Upper Nile State, Spanikan County, in a statement released yesterday. On Mrs. Spokesperson Linda Tom says, the fighting between armed rival groups which began on August 14 has displaced thousands of people in the state. Panyakan County Commissioner Mustafa Guy told South Sudan in focus Tuesday that tension in Tonga area have displaced more than 20,000 people and that the displaced need immediate humanitarian assistance. Tom says, aside from the insecurity and tension that have displaced thousands of people, flooding in the Tonga area has also remained an obstacle to delivering service to those affected by the conflict. Fighting in and around Tonga Town that began on 14 August has displaced over 15,000 people, while flooding is hindering their access to humanitarian aid and safer areas. So far, over 200 of the displaced persons have sought refuge at a UN protection of civilian site in Malakal. Tom says 
Reports indicate that many children are missing or separated from their families in the ongoing violence. She says Onmis is engaging with local authorities to ensure that tension in Upper Nile states are reduced. Onmis is engaging with affected communities, but also with the government and local authorities to quell tensions and support efforts towards a peaceful resolution. In addition, the mission is supporting the movement of humanitarian organizations and deploying additional peacekeepers to the UN protection site to increase security and mitigate the risk of spillover fighting. Tom says UNMIS is calling on all parties to respect international law and safeguard freedom of movement for humanitarian organizations. UNMIS urges feuding parties to immediately stop the violence and adhere to the revitalized peace agreement. UNMIS also calls on national and local authorities to take immediate measures to protect civilians and prevent further escalation of the clashes. The mission remains committed to supporting the people of South Sudan in their pursuit of a peaceful and stable nation. This month's renewed fighting in the Pangwak and Fangak counties of Upper Nile State comes on the heels of last month's fighting in Panyekang County between rival armed forces loyal to General Simon Gatwich and General Johnson Ulonj, the two senior commanders of a breakaway SPLMIO faction. The two rebel leaders clashed in recent months after signing an agreement with the unity government in Sudan. At least two civilians were killed and seven others were missing following last week's fighting, according to local media reports. In June, the SPLM IG and the holdout Kid Guang Aguilek forces said they began implementing the security arrangement they agreed to in a peace deal reached in Khartoum. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias in Juba. Still in Juba, the National Constitutional Amendment Committee says a new section has been added to the 2012 Elections Act for review. The chairman of the National Amendment Committee says candidates who feel cheated in future elections will submit their complaints in a court of law. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. The National Constitution Amendment Committee conducted a two-day stakeholders validation meeting on Monday and Tuesday to review the National Elections Act, a key element of the permanent constitution-making process as stipulated in the revitalized peace agreement. Committee Chairperson Gishera Kibara says several important provisions will be included in the amended act. We have received very good input in terms of how to strengthen the law that is already existing. Uh, one of the major changes in the law is that we have introduced an entire section on election petitions, uh, which was not in the original law. In the 2010 general elections, the late General George Athor, who ran in Jongle State gubernatorial elections, and David Yaoya, who ran for a seat in the State Legislative Assembly, formed rebel groups after they were defeated. Both charged there were election irregularities in the process. Kibara says the new section on election petitions is crucial for preserving peace and stability in the country. It's very, very important. They are part of peace-building mechanisms. So elections must be conducted in a very uh, thorough way uh, where all parties are satisfied with the the way elections have been done and also where they reflect the will of the people. Kibara says presidential election petitions will be presented before the Supreme Court. He says other petitions will go to lower courts. 
the Constitutional Amendment Committee also adopted 35 years as the minimum age for presidential candidates. Mary Ayan Majuk, Deputy Speaker for the Council of States, the Upper Chamber of South Sudan's National Legislature, says having a strong elections law will help South Sudan navigate its way back to stability. The, the central element of good governance is good election, law that would be in turn ensure holding of free, fair and credible elections. The ultimate goal of good governance is enhancing peace, social, economic development and political stability. Having good elections law and holding free, fair and credible elections affirms the principle of having people at the center of decision making. South Sudan was slated to hold its first general elections in February 2023 in accordance with the 2018 revitalized peace agreement. But in July, parties to the agreement extended the transitional period for another two years, putting off elections until 2025. Professor Abenego Akukachuol, chairperson of the National Elections Commission, urges political parties to follow the new roadmap. We need really uh, the political parties and the argument to concentrate and follow them very carefully. Say that time cannot elapse again like what happened in the past. And I'm sure uh, those who write the roadmap, it is tied together. And the commission has some important pillars which they have made there. The stakeholder validation meeting brought together various political parties, the National Election Commission, national and international experts, civil society activists, and other groups. The National Constitutional Amendment Committee says it will draft a bill on the changes and present it to the Ministry of Justice, which will then forward it to Parliament. For VOA News, I'm Anyang David Mayer in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, ICC officials visit Sudan. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... Does your family often get together to celebrate holidays? My family is low income and they don't have much for holidays because it requires a lot of money, maybe a lot of traveling. It is occasional actually, uh, maybe end of year or these other celebrations like uh, for different religions like Christmas, ED. Those are some of the, the occasions we normally come together as a family. For me, my family, well, they are not together. They are all scattered in different countries, so getting together is a bit difficult. Family often get together to celebrate, not even on holidays, but ordinary days, especially on Sundays. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. The chief prosecutor for the International Criminal Court is calling on the UN Security Council to deliver justice for the people of Darfur. 
Karim Khan recently visited Darfur region where he met with internal displaced persons. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. Addressing the UN Security Council virtually on Tuesday from Khartoum, Khan reminded council members of the need to put words into action and deliver justice for thousands of victims in Darfur. He said Sudan's case need to be properly prioritized with activities that will achieve the mandate outlined by the council nearly two decades ago. The chief prosecutor who visited Darfur Sunday and Monday describes his meeting with IDPs and victims of violence at the Kalma camp as moving, saying their stories of what took place in Darfur left a deep impression on Khan and his team. The simple truth is that the nightmare for thousands of Darfuris has not ended. And that nightmare of their experiences in large part continues because meaningful justice and accountability has not been felt in the manner that is required or in my respectful view was anticipated by the council in 2005. The UN says 300,000 people were killed and two and a half million others fled their homes in Sudan's western region of Darfur during ethnic clashes that began in 2003. The ICC indicted former Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir, charging him with committing genocide, war crimes and crimes against humanity in Darfur. Khan told UN Security Council members that the unstable political situation in Sudan and the military coup of October 25th, 2021 has been a backward step from a strong period of cooperation in recent years. He said the insecurity that persists following the coup continues to cause disruption in the country. Despite these challenges, Khan says the Security Council and the ICC should remain committed to its promise to the people of Darfur to see the that justice is served. If we don't manage to deal with historic abuses, the cases that are well known in Sudan, a cycle of impunity may well continue and other cycles of violence take place. Why should people comply with the law? Why should they be concerned about in public international law or international humanitarian law when they see time and time again people doing what they want and getting away with it? Khan's Tuesday briefing was the first time an ICC prosecutor addressed the Security Council while in a country where the court is pursuing justice. The ICC prosecutor called for more cooperation from the Sudanese government to carry out investigation, adding non-compliance with his team will have a negative impact on delivering justice. It is a backward step that doesn't prejudice me. It prejudices the council's demand for proper investigation and Sudan's responsibility by dint of Security Council Resolution 1593 to cooperate and also by virtue of the Juba Peace Agreement to make sure justice is actually delivered. Sudanese authorities have repeatedly vowed to cooperate with the ICC and to hand over former President Omar al-Bashir and two of his assistants, which has yet to happen. Khan called on the Security Council to hold a special session on Sudan, saying if members heard directly from those still living in Darfur's IDP camps, it would be, in his word, reawaken our commitment to humanity. The General Coordination of IDPs and Refugee Camps in Darfur issued a statement today commending the ICC prosecutor and his team for what they are calling a historic visit to Darfur. 
The statement said, quote, no matter how long or short the time is, justice must be achieved. And we do not forget to thank the various departments working in the International Criminal Court who work day and night to achieve justice. End quote. The first ICC trial in The Hague on the alleged atrocities in Darfur got underway in April with defendant Ali Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, also known as Ali Kosheb, a leader in the Arab Janjaweed militia. Kosheb pleaded innocent to all 31 charges of war crimes. For VOA News, I am Michael Atid in Khartoum. UN agencies warn that severe hunger is sliding towards famine-like conditions in the Horn of Africa, particularly in Somalia. This, as four years of consecutive drought, have wiped out people's ability to grow the crops they need to feed themselves. For VOA News, Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. The World Food Program reports up to 22 million people in Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia are facing severe hunger. It says hunger and the death of millions of livestock have forced more than 7 million people to leave their homes in search of food, water, and grazing pasture for their cattle. The WFP warns these figures are likely to grow and conditions will continue to deteriorate as poor rainfall is forecast for the fifth year in a row. The WFP Regional Director for East Africa, Michael Dunford, recently returned from a visit to Somalia and northern Kenya. Speaking from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, Dunford says he was particularly struck by the dire situation in Somalia, where more than 7 million people are facing a humanitarian crisis. He says this is the worst situation he has seen in the 21 years he has been working for WFP. We have a a real risk of famine. It hasn't been declared yet, but already there are over 200,000 people in famine-like conditions, catastrophic levels of food insecurity with another 1.4 on the edge. So unless we are able to continue to advocate, to raise funding, to scale up our operations, then we will have, I fear, a famine to deal with. Dunford says the specter of the 2011 famine in Somalia, which killed 250,000 people, half of them children, looms large over this current crisis. He says WFP is scaling up to reach 8.5 million people across Djibouti, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia. He says $416 million is needed to provide life-saving aid for the rest of the year. Malnutrition remains high across the Horn of Africa. The UN Children's Fund reports 10 million children under the age of five are acutely malnourished. It adds that nearly 1.8 million face severe wasting, a condition that is life-threatening. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Ukraine marks the six-month anniversary of Russia's invasion of that country. Experts say rising food and fuel prices are worsening globally, but more especially in Africa where most countries do not have enough storage for food. Moreno Giambo reports from Nairobi. 
Kenya is among the countries that have seen basic commodities skyrocket and many citizens are struggling to afford foods that are imported from the two countries. Economist Ali Kansachu says that Africa is dependent on Russia and Ukraine and that the food challenges that it faces precedes the Ukraine war. He says African countries lack storage and have not invested in purchasing food. The challenges that Africa is currently facing, I would say about 15 to 20 percent of it can be laid at the door of Ukraine. The rest was self-inflicted um, uh, and were a consequence of borrowing uh, at low rates when living was easy and now we're in a much more challenging environment our borrowing rates are skyrocketing and the underlying weaknesses in our economies are being felt you know africa even if the ukrainian war ended tomorrow would still be facing some serious challenges in early March, the United Nations General Assembly voted on a resolution demanding Russia to stop its military operations in Ukraine. Many African countries seem to be more sympathetic to Russia, and this was evident when the majority of the African member states abstained from voting. Such says most countries did that because they are asserting their national interests. And when you look at your national interest, it makes no sense to alienate such an important provider of global commodities like Russia. You can see what it has done to the European economies where, for example, Germany is looking at a hollowing out of its industrial base because of the stance it's taken with Ukraine. Kenyans are experiencing economic hardship as most of them are not able to afford basic commodities. Sylvester Oyo is a Kenyan asking the government to look into the high cost of living. He's saying, I think it's the leaders who have made life very difficult. They are responsible for passing the bills in parliament. We choose them to be our defenders, but they are not looking into the matter. The leaders should look at the prices of commodities and ensure prices reduces as it was before. Hunger and inflation are affecting most African countries with countries like Kenya needing food aid to sustain its population. Experts, however, say Africa is still struggling economically with or without the war in Ukraine. Reporting for viewers, I am Moreno Jumbo in Nairobi, Kenya. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. I'm your host, John Tanzan Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Zamani motoro zede maturu dumara 
Saman matara zede mataturu tumara Bambe mokaimo moya hilo wasaki Bambe mokaimo moya hilo wasaki Wasini dunga moya me pare Wasini dunga moya me pare Yeah, 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 yeah. 